turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we are going to continue our study in Romans this morning, but as you do that, my name is Larry Lyon. Um, I am not one of the pastors here, or even in interim, or nobody's going to talk about me after the service today either, so uh, I know we're all waiting on that announcement as well, and good news for you is that it's not me, and so uh, I'll just bless you with that. Um, one of the challenges that we have this morning is that this is Global Missions Sunday, something to where, as a church, we take time to stop and to think about ways that we can pray, perhaps in new ways or in old ways, uh, ways that we can give to support the work of ministry here locally and to the very ends of the earth. And this year is incredibly unique because the go factor, as Christy mentioned earlier, is very different than what it ever has been before. I will tell you that uh, what our goal is today is not so much to think about how it is that we go from Romans 8, but rather instead it is to think about how it is that we grow in this unique season so that we can be prepared to go when God opens those doors and opportunities for us. Now, I know it's been a weird year, but I will tell you the focus on care effect and the ministries and the things that we do is one of the reasons why our family joined this church. Now, we joined uh, this, I think it was this past February, so we had about a good month of fellowship with you, and then things got weird, and so I don't know a lot of you, and I really look forward to the day to when we can see one another more frequently and we figure out what to do with masks and who we are and that sort of thing. Some of you may know my wife, if you came to Bloom, is Stephanie Lyon, and so she was with Tara do, and they spoke. So some of you may know me through her, which is typically the way that it goes, because she's uh, more popular and cool, and that's just the way it's been since high school. So I'm okay with that. But let's, let's take a look at Romans 8 today. We've been walking through the book of Romans, and we come to chapter 8 now. I will say that this is difficult for me to do, because as some commentators have said, this is the greatest chapter and perhaps the greatest book. Um, in the greatest letter and perhaps the greatest book that's ever been written, and we can do that in about 20 minutes this morning. So we've got quite a challenge for ourselves today, but we're going to look specifically at verses 12 through 15, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 15, and we're going to ask the question of ourselves, how is it that we grow? And we'll see that it is by walking by the Spirit. So if you'll follow along in your text as I read, 12 through 15. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all of those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Pray with me. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us. That you call us your children. That we have the ability to call one another brothers and sisters that we are a part of a new family, we now have access and the blessing of our Heavenly Father. What an amazing and incredible gift. And God, we thank you that you have sent your Spirit 
that we are not left to ourselves. Rather, you dwell within us and you guide us and you lead us. I pray that this morning we would take well the challenge to grow in your spirit, to be more like your son, that we would give you all glory and honor. And so as we briefly look at this amazing chapter, may you bless the hearing and reading of your word. And may it spur us on. May it encourage us. May it challenge us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we've looked through the book of Romans, we've noticed several things that Paul has done to get us to this point. He's told us that we're all sinners. Thank you, Paul. Chapters 1 through 3 made that abundantly clear to us. And then, but Paul doesn't leave us there. Then he gives us the glorious hope that is in the gospel. That Christ has done something for us that not only can we not do, if given the full opportunity, we wouldn't do it. That we would rebel against God in every way. And then he said, because of this grace that you've been given, you can now lead a new life. That you are something new entirely. And then as we saw last week, but we still wrestle. Our flesh, our sinful nature still wants to pull and drag us. It's hungry. And so we, we feel this pull of what it means to be filled with the Spirit and this wrestling with sin. And then we get to a chapter like Romans 8 that tells us amazing things about who we are in Christ. And what it is that he's done and what it is that he's calling us to do. And so there's no big command for us today. As we look in this text and what I've read, there isn't this thou shalt moment that comes to us. Rather, what I want us to see today is that this is more about who we are. This is more about what's possible for us by being brought back to God. That we have access to something that unbelievers simply do not have. We have a place at the table of our Heavenly Father. Now what 12 through 15 tells us in, in short is that we now have more freedom because of Christ, not less. We have more freedom, primarily in the fact that we have freedom to now choose against the flesh. We are not obligated to sin any longer. We have freedom to choose against the passions and desires and affections that lead to sin and lead to death. We're free to live as Christ has made us to live. And so here's our main point today. Here's our main point. We grow when we believe what the Bible says about us, that we are free from sin and alive to the Holy Spirit. It's the main point. When we believe, when we believe what the Bible says about us, that we are free from sin and alive to the Holy Spirit. This is how we will grow. It begins with us trusting and believing in Jesus. And that in doing that, that we have the power to overcome sin and to grow to be more like him. There's no secret sauce. It is that we would trust and believe in Jesus. We would believe what this chapter tells us 
that we are in Christ. So let's just walk through these verses, and I will tell you we're going to jump all through Romans 8 today because it's too good not to. It's too good not to. So let's look at verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Point number one that I want you to get today as we learn to grow and as we believe these things, that we are no longer debtors to the flesh. We are no longer obligated to the flesh. We do not owe a debt that we cannot pay to our flesh any longer. That we are free from that. Let's jump back and look at verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is a scary proposition for those who are not in Christ Jesus. Is that we cannot please God if we do not trust and believe what Christ has done. We cannot. There is no doing it on our own. There is no pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. There is no appeasing God. There is no sacrifice that you can make that is good enough. Instead, it is only the work of Christ that can do this for us. But for those of us that are in Jesus, that have trusted in him, let's read verse 1 of chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It didn't say that there was a little bit or a touch that remains. Rather, it said there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This morning, that gives us some bad news. I know it sounded really good, but it gives us some bad news and it gives us some good news. First, let me say the bad news. that The key here is that there's no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. If you're with us, This morning, um, whether watching online or in this room, and you're not a follower of Christ, the bad news today is that you are condemned already. You stand condemned before God, and there is nothing that you can do to appease the coming wrath. That's bad news. It's bad news that as we saw in Romans chapter 6, that the wages of sin is death. That is what is in store for those that reject Christ. That's the bad news. But the good news is this, that those who are in Christ Jesus have no condemnation. Because of the work of the gospel in our lives, which that we cannot satisfy. We cannot pay the debt that our sin has purchased for us. And instead, Christ has come. That he has taken on our sin and our shame. That he's died in our place. That he was buried and then he was resurrected to offer us the newness of life. If you're not a believer today, please let me implore you. Trust Christ. There you will find no condemnation. For those of us that are believers, this is good news to us. That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. 
But there's a warning here as well that prohibits us from growing. And I think the first warning is this. If you're anything like me, I like to heap condemnation on myself. As though I need to add my feeling worse and feeling bad and my self-punishment because Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. God, let me punish myself more. Let me condemn myself more. That makes me more holy. Paul tells us there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to do that. Warning number two is we don't have to be ones who heap condemnation on others. Oftentimes we feel justified that someone's done something wrong, they've sinned, or they're just evil by all of their acts. They're unbelievers and they act that way and so we heap condemnation out upon them. Perhaps we heap condemnation on those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And not only are we inhibiting our own growth in the Lord, but we're doing it to them too. There's two warnings here that there's no condemnation in the flesh. We are no longer obligated to the deeds of the flesh. Rather, we now need to put to death the deeds of the flesh and the body. The best news is, is that as Christians, we are no longer indebted to our flesh. Instead, if we look at verses 13 and 14, we belong to the Spirit. We're no longer obligated to the flesh, but instead we belong to the Spirit. We're different as Christians. We no longer are obligated to our passions and our desires and the bent things that go on. Instead, we now have the calling to press ahead, to walk full long into what it is that Christ has for us, because we believe who He is and what he's done for us, and now who he says that we are. And because we belong to the Spirit, we don't owe a debt to the Spirit, like we're going to pay the Spirit back in some sort of mystical payment system. Rather, what it means is we receive the gift that he has given us, this fullness of life, this newness of life in him, and now we have the ability to live in gratitude and thanksgiving for the great work that he has done. We respond with gratitude. One of the greatest motivators of our growth in Christ, especially in a season like this where it's very hard to see and where the news cycle affects us either way as we're tossed about in the matters of this world, is are we thankful for the work that Christ has done and is doing in each one of us? Have you stopped and just thanked God for his amazing mercy to us? What a motivation for growth. In verses 13 and 14, it says, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Hear what Paul is telling us. This is a matter of true life and death. This isn't a matter of, well, should I sin or should I not sin? Or is it, it's not that big of a deal if I sow to the seeds of the sow seeds to the flesh. If I give myself over to this sin one more time, it's not that big of a deal. Paul is telling us, the Spirit is telling us that there is death on the other end of that. But if we live according to the Spirit, that there is life. Here's how I want you to think. This is my example of how I want you to think about being led by the Spirit and the power that you have belonging to Christ. 
If you just remember for a moment, the Israelites, when they're leaving Egypt, they have been set free. God has done this amazing work to provide for, a, for them the exodus. And if you look in chapter 12 of Exodus, you see this amazing picture of all of these Israelites leaving. And what goes before them? is a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Could you imagine the scene that that was? Could you imagine seeing this great pillar from the sky that's leading a million plus people out of bondage into freedom? I want you to have that in mind, that that is the Spirit leading you into freedom. It's not just this simple little thing and it's not always this quiet, still voice. Sure, it is those things. It's actually bigger than that. This is the Spirit of the living God. This is a part of the Trinity who indwells within you and compels you to live. This is your pillar of cloud. This is your pillar of fire leading you out of bondage and into the promised land. There's great hope in that. That is who fights for you. That is who instructs you. Why would I not want to follow that? Why would I want to give myself over to the deeds of the flesh when that's what God has in store for me? So we're no longer obligated to the flesh. We belong to the Spirit. Paul tells us that that is where life is found. Last point this morning, I told you we had to go fast. Last point this morning is this, is that living by the Spirit allows us to be fully alive and to grow. Why is that the case? Look at whose we are. Look at who we belong to. Verse 15 tells us, you did not receive a spirit of slavery. You didn't go back to Egypt. You didn't go back to that place. Rather, instead, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We are different, and we have access to the great God of this universe who has made us and sustains us and continues to uphold this world by his mighty hand. That is your heavenly Father. How can we live and grow and do this work? It's because that's who's got us. That's who blesses us. That's who claims each one of us. We are his. And he blesses us richly. Let's, let's walk through some of these great promises of Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. It says, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. You are co-heirs with Christ. What amazing privilege and power that we have. How does that not motivate us to grow? We are co-heirs with Christ. We are heirs to the kingdom of God. Paul tells us here it's not secondary. It's not like Jesus gets all this stuff and you get a little bit. We are co-heirs with Christ. What a motivation to grow. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Christy mentioned this. In the same way that the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. 
because we do not know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The good news, brothers and sisters, that he helps us in our weakness. When we feel defeated, unable to pray, we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to go on, we don't know what to do next, it is the Spirit who helps us. Gives us the very words to even pray. And when you can just sit there and groan because you don't know what to do, the Spirit of God is interceding on your behalf. And He knows the deepest, darkest, hardest places of your heart. He loves you anyways. And He cares for you. And He is interceding for you. That is good news for us to continue to be like Jesus. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God is working for our good. Even when it's hard and we can't see it, even on our best days, He is still working for our good. Are you? Are you giving yourself to be alive in the Spirit or are you sowing to the flesh? God's consistently working for your good, always working for your good. Will you join Him in it? Not resist His work? Romans 8, 31-39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As, is, as it is written, because of you, we're being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. I love that no there. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing encouragement. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter what you came in with here today. It doesn't matter what you face when you go home. It doesn't matter what you've done that has grieved the hearts of those around you and perhaps the thing that you try to hold secret to and that you heap condemnation on yourself. None of that can separate you from the love of God for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation and there's nothing that can separate you. That is good news for us, brothers and sisters. What more compelling word do we need to continue to grow and to be made more and more like Christ? This is his blessing to us. 
It is our encouragement. So as, as we think about these things, as we think about all of Romans 8, here's what I'm asking you to do today. Trust and believe in Jesus. If you've been a believer your, your whole life, you trusted him when you were small and you're much older now, trust in Jesus. If you're an unbeliever and you would say in this place, that I don't, I don't have this kind of access to God. Trust in Jesus. This isn't about working harder. This is about trusting what Christ has done and now who he says that you are. Walk freely in that. Be alive to the Spirit today. Let me make a couple points of application and then I want to give an invitation to us this morning. But let me make a couple points of application. Number one is this. Let the Spirit reorder you. Let the Spirit reorder you and change your hearts and desires. Let it make a difference in who you are. How do we do that? Well, we read it a little while ago in verses 5 through 8, that we would, we would have the mindset of the Spirit that thinks on the things of God. Think about God. Do you sit and think about God and think about the things that He has done? Who He is and His character and how He loves you. Just think about God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, Paul reiterates this same point. He tells us that we should set our mind on things above. We should set our heart on things above. That we should think about and love God. So the, one of the big points today is I want you to go home and think about God. There's not a Saints game on today. I'm learning. I'm a new guy. About a year and a half here. I'm, I know that comes quick. Noon. It's Saints game. You've got time today. They don't play till tonight. Go spend some time and just think of God. Have your heart, your mind, your lips full of gratitude for what it is that God has done. Now, we'll, now let me give you some ways to do that. We as a people, let me just get real practical. We have to fight distraction. How, how many things have your mind chased this morning, even listening to me or listening to Christy or even during the prayers or even you, you want to hear Pastor Search Committee come up and talk? Hey, how many things has your mind raced to already this morning? It's really hard to stop and to think. So this week has been crazy, right? I'm the guest, so I'm not going to get into all the political stuff, but... How many times did we check the news and the feed cycle? How many times did we pick up our phone to see what was going on or check social media and just try to get a quick update? You know, they say on average that the cell phone user picks up their phone 90 to 100 times a day. 90 to 100 times. And it's mindless. We're not even doing anything. It's just, I'm bored now, it's a habit, and I pull it out and I look at it. The average cell phone user uses their phone. They stare at their screen about five and a half hours a day. Please don't tell me that we don't have time to pray, to get into the Word, to know Jesus. Five and a half hours. Just to be fair to you, for 
the baby boomer generation, it's about five hours. For millennials, it's 5.7. So we're all doing it. We're all looking at our phone hours and hours a day. Is it any wonder we're distracted? We've taught ourselves to have incredibly short and distracted attention spans. We think we're multitasking when really we're not doing any of it well. Think about God. Find time to sit and to think about God. Which means we have to slow down. Some of you during COVID have had to do that during this season. Some of you, you've just had to chase all the things in a million different ways. Slow down. And let me offer you this last one. Read your Bibles. I'm not even giving you hard applications this morning. I want you to think about God and read your Bible. You want to grow in Christ-likeness? You want to grow in walking by the Spirit? Do the things that He's given us. Think about Him. Spend time with Him. Read your Bibles. And read big chunks of it too. Not just a verse in the morning. I mean... Read chapters every day. Go for it. If we can spend five and a half hours on our phone, I'm willing to bet that we can find an hour more than the five minutes that we typically give ourselves or maybe the pass by in the car. Let's read our Bibles. I promise. I promise you this. If you will read it, you will know him and it will change you. I want to give an invitation in two ways this morning. The first is for those that would say that they're not a believer in Christ. And the second is for those of us who would say that we're Christians. If, you're a, if you'd be willing to, to own that you're an unbeliever today, I want you to hear me say that I, I'm not here to condemn you. What I'm here to do is hopefully offer you hope. Because what we see from Romans 8 is that God has done so much for you so that you would not remain in your flesh and headed towards death. God has made a way. But understand this, the, the gospel tells us that we're all sinful. All of us. Everyone has sinned and we deserve the wrath of God. But God has done something for us in Christ Jesus. Christ who came and lived a perfect life, a life that we can't and that we wouldn't if given the opportunity live. He did this so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you and I. That he could take on our sin and our shame and die in our place. And this is the good news of what he has in fact done. The Bible tells us that he died on the cross, bearing our sin and our shame. And here's the great exchange. This is the great news for us. That he's taken on our sin and shame. And what does he give us? Life and his righteousness. <laughs> I'll take that exchange all day. But it didn't stop there. 
an amazing thing that he's done and given us that great exchange. He then in turn, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, one that wasn't even his own, and he stayed there for three days, but God did not leave him dead. Instead, he rose him up from the grave so that he could prove once and for all that he had defeated death and sin and that he could offer us newness in life and the hope assuring us that we have our own resurrection to spend eternal life with him. That is the good news of the gospel. If you are not a believer in here or watching today, believe that today. It is the only hope we have to grow. If you're a Christian, let me offer a couple bit of things that I'd ask you to pray for today. The first is this, that if you're walking well with the Lord, just thank Him. Thank Him for, even if you're not, just thank Him for the presence of your spirit that you can repent and come to Him. Express your gratitude to the Lord as we spend this time praying that it would just, it would just encourage you today to go and do more in believing and trusting in Jesus. Perhaps maybe you're hindered in your growth today because of some sin some past sin, some current sin, whatever it is. Let me encourage you to believe in the gospel that I just described and repent today. And know that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He will welcome you home. Perhaps maybe you've been heaping on condemnation on yourself and even onto other brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me, let me ask you to do this, fellow believer. Repent. Trust that Christ has once for all paid for those sins. It doesn't mean there's not consequences. We know that there are. But Jesus doesn't exclude you from his table just because of that. He welcomes you home and he will help you to persevere. Trust Christ for that restoration. As we sing and as we pray, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'll be down front. We'll have others that will welcome the opportunity to talk to you about the gospel. If you just need to spend some time quietly repenting and trusting that Jesus has done what he said he would do, take this opportunity to embrace that. So let me pray for us. Father, we love you. Jesus, it's unbelievable what you've done for us. You have given us hope and new life. And God, we just stop and pray right now and thank you that you love us in such great and amazing ways. And that you have amazing things in store when we walk by the Spirit. God, we thank you that you go before us. That we are not who we once were. Rather, we press ahead to all that you've called us to be. May we follow that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire. And may we be found faithful. God, I pray for those that need to trust you, that whether it's for the very first time or whether it's to deal with that besetting sin, God, that you would help us. And we thank you that you promised to welcome us home. So God, we love you. We thank you for this time that we can think about all that you've called us to do, to pray, to give, to go, and to grow. May we honor you with this time now. 
prayed in Christ's name. Amen.